Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's Sunday, May 22, and welcome to the 15th episode in this series from Midas Touch and 5-Minute News called The Weekend Show, where we take a deep dive into the news of the week. You can download the show as audio in addition to my daily 5-Minute News podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Joining me today is former Wall Street executive, activist and author and creator of The Weekly List, Amy Siskind. Amy, hi. Um, Thank you for I'm very me. interested in the in the weekly list. Do you want to just tell us very quickly what the weekly list is so people know and they can go and take a look? Sure. It's under theweeklylist.org. It's a tracking of the not norms, uh, not normal things that happened during the Trump era, norms that were broken, that were not normal to our democracy. And in addition to being online, there's also a podcast associated with it. And it's being archived at the University of Pennsylvania and at the Library of Congress as a first draft of history in the era of Trump. Yeah, it was, it's certainly important to document these things. I think we forget. And also, as time has gone by now, I think people forget about how bad it was during that period uh, yes. in terms of the rise of fascism in the West. And I'm sure that's something that we'll discuss a little bit today. I'll just I'll just mention uh, some of the uh, conversations, some of the topics and the news items from the week that we're going to be looking at today. This is after, on Wednesday, uh, sorry, on Thursday, Oklahoma lawmakers passed a bill banning nearly all abortions, starting at fertilization. It's to make it the nation's strictest abortion law. Uh, it also deputizes private citizens to act as bounty hunters. Uh, so that's obviously a, a massive story across the U.S. Uh, great replacement theory is a phrase that we're starting to hear more of in the last week after the shooting in Buffalo last Saturday. Um, uh, it was The idea was expressed in a manifesto by the suspect in the racially motivated shooting. Uh, and we're going to look at how some of the Republican senators and congresspeople have actually been using this rhetoric. Uh, in subtle form. And finally, Elon Musk has admitted that he is going to no longer support the Democrats and will vote Republican. He tweeted that on Wednesday. So we'll uh, find out what he's, um, well, what he's thinking is really, you know, what is, why, why the needs to come out with this kind of language. So um, all that to come. But first, let's uh, focus on the abortion story, which is obviously something that is, um, you know, it's almost as if the states are not waiting for Roe v. Wade to be overturned by the Supreme Court. It's like they just want to get on with it, these Republican states. And this is particularly serious because it's effectively banning abortion from conception. So uh, how, you know, if a woman doesn't even know she's pregnant, how this is going to play out, I have no idea. But um, I wasn't living in the US in 1973. In fact, I wasn't quite born in 1973, but I'm aware of the the protest and what went on to get that 
landmark ruling brought about in the first place? I mean, what does this mean for America, this news out of Oklahoma today? Well, first, I want to frame it in the context of my work, which is tracking our near descent to authoritarianism, which is hardly over. So if you look at more broadly around the world, in the last 30 years, 50 countries have expanded access to abortion. There's only a handful of countries that have gone the other way. Gravely, the United States is among them, and it's countries that are more on the verge of losing democracy and, and tracking towards authoritarianism. So you're talking about the United States, Poland, Nicaragua, Honduras. These are the only countries that are moving backwards. So it just puts some perspective into uh, how deeply we are still in this battle for authoritarianism, that we're talking about a law that was excuse me, a, a right that was codified 49 years ago that's actually part of an 100-year span of what you know, under the 14th Amendment is called liberty, which gives us the right to manage our bodies, to manage our families, to manage our lives. And if Roe is to fall, uh, these states will also be coming next for things like gay marriage, for it being illegal to have gay sex, for basic gay rights, for interracial marriage. You can imagine any sort of potpourri of things that doesn't cater to straight white Christian males, uh, these, you know, that being on the chopping block, anything that's protected under this notion of liberty and the 14th Amendment. So it's a time of grave danger, and it's also in the construct of authoritarianism, something that is very common. Um, Marsha Gessen wrote about this in an uh, article warning uh, November 2016 about what to do in surviving an autocracy. And she specifically addresses the Supreme Court and the rule of law and uh, how you can't trust your institutions in a time like this because the institutions will become inhabited by extremists, check, uh, whose notions don't match with what's happening in the country, and they'll use those to subrogate marginalized communities and women. And this is a playbook that we've seen before in other in Russia, in Germany, uh, and it's happening here. So I look at it in that construct. And, uh, you know, whatever happens with Roe, whether it's struck down or watered, watered down to the point where this Oklahoma law will be the next challenge, uh, I think you're going to see an awakening in these midterms. And I was concerned about our ability to turn out for midterms. And I'll tell you, two days after that Politico story about Alito's draft coming out, I had 160 people show up either on my backyard or Zoom for a row mobilization rally. And I'm doing it again next Tuesday. And I have people that were not involved in politics since 2018 or maybe showed up in 2020 to vote for Biden, and they are back. So there's a lot that we need to fight for in midterms, but there's going to be it's not going the way the Republicans thought it was. That's for sure. Let's look at the kind of cultural and um, the the kind of, I want to look at this from the perspective of Republican women just for a moment, because we yes. never really hear from them in this issue, right? It's, it's normally like white men who seem to be making all the rules, not just for abortion, but for all rules, especially surrounding minorities. I mean, 
I've seen Republican women kind of stand behind the, you know, the likes of DeSantis or, you know, in various Republican states and stand proud, but I never really hear them speak. I never really, you know, what is going on in the minds of Republican women, many who have needed to access abortion themselves or need access to, you know, to health care that is being um, removed from the statute in these various states. I mean, what must be going through their minds? Because, you know, Marjorie Taylor Greene made a speech about what she thought the role of women were, was in society a few weeks ago. And oh it, blew my, it, it blew my mind. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know if you heard that. Her spokesperson. Right? She, she, yeah. <laughs> she, she spoke about the role of women as if it was out of the 1950s. And, right. And it just made me think, you know, hang on a second. What is... Because, of course, Republicans will need to access abortion. And what are they going to do? You know, they're going to take Gavin Newsom's offer and fly to California. I mean, how, how is this going to play out? Because people need access to, to these, this type of care. Well, how it plays out is the number of abortions doesn't change. They just become more dangerous. And, you know, we've lived through that before you were born. I'm a little older than you. I, I was very young when this battle was happening. But when you look at the data, the number of abortions does not change. It's just women's lives become in danger. They go underground. They do things that are medically unsafe. Uh, and what these laws do is they target largely women of color and women who have lesser means. You know, rich white women are always going to be able to get access to an abortion. That's not who we're talking about. Uh, but you know, further to your comment, what the Republicans want, and what they are trying to not let out of the hat, but it still comes out, is what's in this Oklahoma law. They want to ban abortion not only in Oklahoma, but to make it nationally, sort of the, the inverse of where we are once you get rid of Roe, that even in states like New York, to overturn our laws where we have here that protect that right, to take it away on a national basis, that's the goal. And there's already legislation underway in Louisiana. If you live there and you cross state lines, it's homicide. There's legislation underway that uh, would take away contraceptives. So this is religious extremism opposed in, in our rule of law that is against our constitution and, and concept, right? It's certainly against these rulings that rely on the 14th Amendment. Um, so how that all plays out, and, and, and you also asked about getting into the minds of Republican women. <laughs> I'm asking the you wrong know, person. I, 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 pre I appreciate that. <laughs> I, want to re I want to peel back the layer a little bit on that. There's a, yeah. an NPR poll out this morning, NPR Marist, that two-thirds of Americans are against overturning Roe. So, you know, it seems to be the same 30% of people that are against Roe v. Wade, 30% of people are against gay marriage. You know, there are these religious extremists uh, slash whatever they want to call themselves conservatives in our country that are against any sort of progress that doesn't directly benefit right, white, rich, Christian men. But, but here's the here's the irony of this of this argument is that these white rich Christians they want to reduce the number of minorities that are are, are in existence right we're going to talk about yes. uh, great replacement theory 
Right. You would have thought that if they know that this is affecting black and brown people more than it's affecting them, then they would they would be for abortion because there would be potentially fewer black and brown people in America. It, it just doesn't seem to add up, abortion. does it? It's about control. Right. It's, it's about control. I mean, that. imagine in our country if we said some sort of control of men's bodies, you know, that you can't have sex on the 10th day of, of each month. Can you imagine? You know, I mean, it's just, it's, it's a, it's oppression. It's subjugation. That's all it is. There's no logic to it. Last night, 192 Republicans after going on Fox news for weeks about the lack of baby formula to attack Biden voted against a $28 million bill so the FDA could speed that up. There's no logic to the madness. This is about you know being um, oppressive and about being blocking progress. That's all and, it and is. And owning the libs as well, isn't it? Because you know this is a, an age-old problem in America, and abortion has been the hot-button issue for most of those years, it dividing the two for, parties. Yeah, you know, it hasn't been a hot-button issue for us. It's decided law 49 years ago. Right. Uh, you know, it, it really hasn't been a hot button issue. But it's been but weaponized it's been by of, Republicans, hasn't it? it they, you they, know, the they're, whole they're idea of controlling it. the Supreme Court. I mean, there's a whole so many for the what they did for the last 49 years is build around taking over the Supreme Court. And anybody who thinks that it ends with Roe is living in a fantasy land. You can use that same argument to take away any of the liberty we have, including the right to birth control, including the right to interracial marriage, including the rights that we, you know, just have lived with for the last 100 years. Any of those that are grouped into this 14th Amendment notion of privacy or or liberty, whatever you want to call it, uh, are all under risk now. If whether that falls or not, the fact that it is this close to falling suggests that our Supreme Court has been target, you know, it has been hijacked by extremists. And um, there is something we can do. And that is in five and a half months, mobilize and vote and get bigger majorities in the House and the Senate and use those branches of government to push back. That's our only option. And it's an option in the very near term to send a really clear message the Supreme Court does know that their homes are being protested. They do know that people are marching. These things do matter. That's, you know, public opinion, despite what Clarence Thomas, who finally can speak apparently, has to say, uh, does weigh into their decisions. That's how gay marriage passed. That's how Edie Windsor's case passed. I mean, all of the LGBT rights all three of the major cases, I'm, I'm, I'm a gay woman, that impact us have been within the last 20 years, starting in 2003 with it being made legal to have gay sex. So the that's no, how the, the, recent the, these rights are. That could become illegal again to have gay sex. I find it as as an immigrant myself, I find it very interesting as to how the rest of the world has progressed and how yes. America as this continent is is almost shielded from the rest of the world. And the news is partly responsible for this, the news media, because they don't really report about the progress in the rest of the world. And, and I, I would think that most Americans don't really know 
what the laws are on these various things around the rest of the, around the rest of the world. You no, know, I, I think they do. I think what our country, the intention of the framers of our country, have while good at the time and maybe not so good over time in order to oppress people of color, you know, and slavery and all of the stains on our country along the way, we haven't then um, made things freshened up for where we are today. The electoral college system doesn't work. Having two senators in states like Nebraska and South Dakota and having two in states like New York and California Having elections where more often than not the Republican that wins got less votes, you know, again, these things need to be updated. And the only way we throw these notions out there, should there be an 18-year limit on the Supreme Court for serving, these notions get you know thrown out there. But the only way to do those is to have bigger majorities. And I, I know people are tired and whatnot. Whatnot. I'm tired. Uh, we have no choice uh, because. These people, it's a small minority that controls a lot of power. And um, the consequences are dire. And we have to wake up our children. They've, our, I have children in their 20s. They've lived through a lot in America in the last 20 years, starting with 9-11 and onward. Um, but they, their lives, they, they don't, they've grown up in a world with, Roe v. Wade and gay marriage as just sort of the norm of things. So uh, it's time to have them be engaged as well, our Gen Xers, our millennials, uh, in this process. You know, people like me who are, are Gen X have been fighting, but we, excuse me, we need Gen Z and the millennials to, to really wake up because this is their lives that are going to be directly impacted. So th this leak of this draft ruling from the Supreme Court I mean, this is what politics is, isn't it? You know, you don't know what's around the corner. And, and ironically, the leak is going to be very helpful to yes. mobilize people. And it's yes. going, and, and that's why, you know, Ted Cruz and the like, they would claim that it must have been leaked by a Democrat, you know, because they, they cannot imagine that in any possible way that a conservative might not want this, you know, might want this out. Uh, it's it's a very yeah, interesting it, landscape. When you listen to the experts, of which I am not one, I did not go to law school, but the experts uh, are, as many if not more, say it was probably a conservative justices staff who wanted to lock in the five, that John Roberts was trying to draw out one or two to come to the other side to you know, God, I mean, nothing that's going to come out is going to be good. Don't get me wrong. If they accept 15 weeks, uh, that is, you know, already, I mean, whatever it is, is coming out, we still have to be ready in November. Um, you know, it's a small stepping stone into hell. <laughs> that's, that's all I can say. You know, you yeah. can see where we're going and it's not a good place. Yeah. And as you point out, the rest of the world, you know, and, and again, it's, that's part of my work, and we could talk about Putin's invasion and go in so many different directions, but is really the construct of the world becoming more authoritarian in some aspects. Yeah. And maybe, you know, we're seeing sheds of light that other elections have taken place since that have not gone in that direction, that for a while there was a flood of, um, you know, Hungary and Poland and, and, you know, these scares around the world, and then things starting to, uh, you know, trend back. But the United States is still very much at risk. Let's uh, talk a little about the um, the conversation that has now come up off the back of this uh, shooting in uh, Buffalo, New York State, uh, last Saturday. Uh, this was the um, 
manifesto that was effectively put out uh, by this uh, man who who took the lives of of ten people. Um, this has really started a conversation about the great replacement theory. Uh, Tucker Carlson on Fox has been uh, responsible for a lot of this rhetoric, and and I and I put out a little video during the week last week about this and how these people speak in code. You know, they do it in such a way that. They can't be accused of saying specifics, but if you read between the lines and clearly their followers and anybody who is even a little bit racist can can read between the lines enough to know what, what is, is coming back. And, and in fact, the Republican Senator Ron Johnson is now pushing back against criticism that he was promoting great replacement theory. Um, uh, I think it was a report done by the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. They said the Wisconsin senator was... Um, presenting a subtle version of the more overtly racist and anti-Semitic rhetoric circulated by white supremacists. Um, and, and I even watched Ted Cruz only, what, three or four days after these executions in Buffalo, using language about migration that was identical to that was seen in this manifesto, referring to an invasion of, of immigrants. Mm-hmm. Um, it's exactly the same language that was written in this, in this paper. Um, just three days after the shooting. In fact, Ted Cruz tweeted, over 2 million illegal aliens streamed across the border last year. This is an invasion we're seeing because Joe Biden refuses to enforce the law. I mean, this terrifies... I mean, I'm an immigrant, so I mean, it, it, it terrifies me. I'm a legal immigrant, but I recognize that that they deny that a thing called asylum is even a thing, right? You know, it is written into the Constitution. I mean, asylum seekers can seek asylum. Well, you're white, so you don't have to worry. Well, I am (laughs) fully aware of my white privilege. They will not target you. You're white. I am fully aware. I mean, my family, generations ago, were most of us are part of this melting pot. Uh, And I'm Jewish, so people like me are... You know, Jews will not replace us. I am yeah. part of the problem yeah. uh, that they see. But the, the language that you're addressing that Ted Cruz used very specifically turns people into animals, which is something that Trump did throughout the four years that I documented. And it's an old playbook that was used by Hitler and Mussolini and all the other authoritarian type leaders, which is to dehumanize. Uh, and those kind of words, infestation, invasion, you know, that diminish the human beings and make them into something other. Well, rats, effectively. Very, the, they, yeah. The, it, the, the drawings of rats during the, the those periods of the, the right. 1930s and 40s. It, sure. It's very purposefully done. Yeah. And um, the gaslighting by Tucker Carlson and Ron Johnson of saying, Oh, I don't even know what great replacement theory is. Mm. Um, You know, they know exactly what they're doing. I I don't remember the exact number in the New York Times analysis, but I believe it was 400 out of 1,100 episodes of Tucker Carlson Tonight made some mention of this great replacement theory in words without using those words necessarily. Uh, But they know exactly what they're doing. And uh, that is sadly what appeals to it, uh, keeping a lot of what is today's Republican Party together. I was at I, I did a small book event last night uh, for for my book, The List, and there were some Republicans there, 
are they call themselves Biden Republicans, which I found interesting because they voted for Biden and they don't recognize their own party. Uh, and, and they're not like Lincoln Project people. I think there's some variation of that that's coming out for people that are yeah, the traditional Republicans. Before. Well, this is maybe Kinzinger's group. Adam Kinzinger is kind of trying to find Republicans not for Trump, right? Yeah, and maybe not even Kinzinger, but, you know, like the people that voted for Bush that were some right. semblance, you know, over, um, you know, fiscal policy or, you know, like, but are sane and believe that the election was a fair election. Mm. The Republican Party is, you know, it's, I, I thought after Trump left, it would return to its former self and we'd be talking about tax policy and, and gun rights and, you know, the things that we disagree in. Uh, but when you start to go into this great replacement theory and hate and taking away rights from women and gays and marginalized communities, that is authoritarianism. That's not democracy. We're not arguing about policy. We're arguing about whether people have a right to exist in our country and have a right to basic freedoms and liberty, which is our constitution. That's the argument we're having now. But they're, they're reversing that argument. They're saying that Democrats are the fascists because they're the ones who are trying to force teaching about LGBTQ plus issues on, on second graders or third right, graders. Right. I mean, the, it's to confuse the, it. It's propaganda. Right. It's propaganda, you know, it's, but it's, there is this switch and their own people believe it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Marjorie Taylor Greene, you know, saying with masks and vaccines, it's comparing it to what the Jews went through with Hitler. Right. I, I mean, let's, some perspective of where we are. Marjorie Taylor Greene believed the QAnon conspiracy theory. She is a voice for the Republican Party. These people, I mean, they got, they're getting rid of Madison Cawthorn, who did yeah. similar things, whose sin seems to be that he told the truth that they were having orgies and using cocaine in D.C. That was his going too far. Um, these people are not like, I, listen, I, there, there can be Republicans I di disagree with on issues, and that is democracy. We can disagree that, you know, that supply side versus demand side economics. We can disagree on, you know, the basics of, uh, you know, of how the economy works, of, of how gun laws work, of, of other things. But this is not the discussion that we're having. It's not sanity. It is, you know, the propaganda, gaslighting. It is um, being formed on hatred and taking away rights. That is the basis of what they're doing now. This whole notion of, of CRT, being, which doesn't exist in schools, yeah. the whole notion of, of what DeSantis is doing down in Florida, you know, very purposefully. Um, and again, none of this stuff makes sense. The people that live in those districts in Florida that are going to get back their sovereign right are going to now have billions of dollars of debt <laughs> that, that Disney was paying that they are now going to be responsible to. You know, so he'll he'll blow that up in the end. But it's just all this rhetoric that it's it's the red meat of feeding their base. The, the desperation sad. to win, saying anything to win. And we, we see this from populists, don't we? And we saw this yes. from Donald Trump. And this is why Trump welcomed in the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers and the, and the far right and, and fused the far right and the extremists with that kind of traditional conservative party. And, and you're right to say that you thought it might go back to kind of how it was, and it didn't. In fact, you could argue that post-Trump, it's actually got worse. Uh, we only have to look to the last few, the last week of the primaries. I mean, some of the yeah. candidates that had success in the primaries 
are staunch Trump people with Trump endorsements who are still perpetuating this concept of the big lie, suggesting that Trump is the rightful winner of, of, of the 2020 election. Yeah, I think you sort of separate out the movement, America First, which is to me like a closeted version of white supremacy and autocracy yeah. versus the Republican Party. I think at some point you have to pair those apart because 70% of Republicans, because of all the rhetoric and the propaganda, believe that the election was stolen still. Yet when you look at the people Trump is behind, you have about 30% of the vote that will listen to him. It's not the, and this is in Republican primaries. It seems to always stop off around 30%. But there's a bigger portion that believe this bat, excuse my French, shit, crazy stuff that's being thrown out. And then you have these other people that were Republicans that are like, what is wrong with the rest of you? And then you realize that what unites the rest of you is hatred of others, is taking away rights, is this craziness stuff that even maybe now Trump isn't crazy enough. So the scary thing is somebody who's smarter and better at it, like a Cruz or a Hawley could take over this mantra. And what Trump is very carefully doing in these elections, um, he is targeting the states in 2022 that were the swing states in presidential elections and installing loyalists or trying to. In Michigan, the Michigan Republican Party picked his loyalists who believed that the election was stolen from him to run as attorney general and secretary of state. His candidate just won in Pennsylvania, the primary for governor, and they have that quirky thing in Pennsylvania in that Commonwealth where the governor picks a secretary of state. Right. So you can sort of see what he's doing. And, you know, somebody else who is smarter and more competent can take all those roadblocks of this movement, this America first white supremacy and all these, you know, ch uh, taking away the belief that democracy works and ahead of 2024. And that's what I've been sounding the alarms on about what's at risk and why, you know, in these midterms, in addition to the House and Senate, I just had the attorney general and secretary of state for, of Michigan in my backyard to do a fundraiser for them. We've got to help them win. Nestle and Jocelyn Benson, they have to win. We're going to have to help, you know, in Shapiro win governor in, in, in Pennsylvania and Wisconsin when those races are decided and Georgia and Arizona because Trump is trying to take over. The, the, the rigging of these elections is now happening in these state legislatures, isn't it? You know, we saw we saw some of that, and and that famous phone call with Brad Raffensperger, which you know is on tape, and I sometimes listen to it just to remind myself that we had a former president of the United States saying out loud, "I just need you to find me eleven thousand votes, you know, one more than we already have." I mean, literally, it's as if you know that phone call, the Zelensky phone call, extorting him. Uh, you know, yes. over these over these these arms to get dirt on Hunter Biden. I mean, these things are on tape. It's not as if they are, you know, forgotten. I, I, you can watch them on YouTube anytime you like. And yet this guy potentially is still going to run for president in 2024. And if they if their tactics for cheating at the state legislature levels, if that works for them, there's a very good chance that despite only 30 percent of the country being interested in him, he could still win. Yes. So, I mean, that effectively means that democracy in America is is already finished. I mean, we thought it was finished on January 6th, but it's it's done now. 
So my project, the whole purpose was to track these broken norms that would be a trail back to normalcy. Right. It only works if there are consequences and accountability yeah. and checks and balances put in place to address and codify what wasn't addressed. And we haven't done that. Our department, and, you know, I spent the first year and a half screaming on Twitter and Facebook, like, what is Merrick Garland doing? Why have we not had anyone in the Trump regime involved with January 6th held to account? Why in New York, in New York City, did Trump like get led off by, you know, for charges for anything? Georgia, hopefully, I mean, you have to be hopeful that there, there has to be accountability or consequences because- as somebody asked me, if you have to do this project again in 2024 and it's not fixed, it's no longer a broken norm. It is the norm. Yeah. It is then normal if things don't go your way in an election to storm the Capitol, if there's no consequences. It is then normal to try to get people in each state to elect people into senior positions and have them overturn the will of the voters. So we are on shaky ground uh, a lot rests with Merrick Garland and the Department of Justice to have some consequences and accountability so that this is does not then become acceptable behavior ahead of 2024. We have one more election like this. It's, you know, we, we fought our way out. We cannot afford to be in a position where 2024 doesn't go fairly. This week, the Justice Department has requested some data and information yes. from the January 6th committee. So there is starting to be some communication between these 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 two groups. Here do, we do are. You, do you hold out any June. hope for that? I mean, is 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 Garland gonna? Because you know the the clock is ticking. Not just the midterms, but the longer you leave it after a crime yes. is committed, the, yes. the, the the crime is diluted over time. Surely, I have one been one of those people who has been screaming into the void on this and caught a lot of crap on Twitter at the end of last year, in the beginning of this year, because people are defending Garland and he's being slow and, slow and methodical, and he may well be. People have been defending Benny Thompson and, and the fact that the January 6th commission is working behind the scenes. The reality is, however, because I'm an activist who has people show up in her backyard and has Raphael Warnock and 100 people in my backyard and Val Demings. I mean, I have people that care and are involved in this stuff they have lost faith. They don't believe that the January 6th commission is doing anything. There were hearings last summer. We haven't heard from them since. I think they've lost the American people. Their results might be shocking when they come out, but you've lost the attention of the American people. I think they have failed us, whatever, they're, whatever they come up with. I think the only institution that has the chance to do something affirmatively about it is Merrick Garland in the Department of Justice. And um, I, being a pragmatist, I'm letting that play out how it is. Yelling in the void was something I did. I, I don't believe Chuck Schumer, I'm, I'm a New Yorker. I don't believe he's the right person for the time as majority leader in the Senate, even if we were minority. He's just, we need a wartime concierge. And he's just not the guy. He's a lovely man, not the guy for the time, whether we stay in the majority or minority in 2022. Um, but all of these things, we just don't have the right people met, putting in those battles. And so that's, for me, been being the pragma, pragmatist I am, is now gearing people up for 2022. And the House and the Senate, yes. But also, um, 
you know, other things along the way, these states that need to be focused on. On Tuesday, we just had elections throughout New York State for, for school board, throughout my county in Westchester. There were CRT kind of candidates and Proud Boys, one town over in New Rochelle, and they were all defeated. So, you know, that is part of what activism is. It's all levels of it, being upset by how things are, but then the answer isn't to ignore it. The answer is to dive in and be involved. Um, and arguably, and people are more engaged now than ever before. I mean, the, 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 the one so. thing that Trump did do is was kind of galvanize a movement of people to realize what fascism looks like. And I always reference, you know, the disappearing of people on the streets of Portland, the the, the tear gassing people in Lafayette Square, right. so he could go and do the the photo op. You know, these things Which should Garland not decided, be happening right. towards and your own citizens. Not to pursue charges and. Yeah. For, I mean, so these are the kind of things, then that becomes normal. So if Trump yeah. or Ted Cruz or Hawley goes into office and wants to gas peaceful protesters in front of the White House, they have, they can cite the fact that it wasn't. Yeah. They, they, there they, there are consequences of these things. And, and we can be upset and we can call them out and we have to use them to energize us. At the same time, we have an election in five and a half months and we got to lift ourselves up. And I just don't want to hear from anyone about how tired and exhausted they are. I mean, listen, we all went through that. We all lived through the pandemic. We've all lived through Trump. You got to lift yourself up for the next five and a half months and work and get everyone to the polls. We know how to do this. We did it in 2018. They told us we would be lucky to take the majority. We won 40 seats. We damn well know how to do this. We just have to do it again. And that's going to send a message. And that's going to turn back the Supreme Court. That's going to turn back what, what McConnell and McCarthy can do. I mean, if you want to hear like some scary words, it's Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell yeah. and House Speaker Kevin McCarthy. So like, get to work, everyone. <laughs> that is all I, I can say. I was thinking about what you were saying about Merrick Garland being slow and methodical. And it reminded me Ugh. of um, Robert Mueller being slow and methodical. Right. And right. how the Republicans uh, were able to turn that story on its head and make it sound like Trump had been acquitted by Robert Mueller, when in fact Mueller said that if he wasn't the president, he would have been prosecuted. And Barr did that. He right. was able to leak a draft, which wasn't an actual uh, summary, which wasn't a right. correct summary. And again, no consequences. The guy's out selling a book saying, yeah, I, I, I got away from Trump when it really got rough and allowing all the rest of it. I mean, that is the one good thing of my project with the list and scholars are already using it to write, you know, and call it graduate students to write thesis papers and everything. So the, the first draft of history is there and intact and will be recorded properly because of my project. But we forget all of those things and we are on to the next thing. Yeah. Uh, and, and so, yeah, I hate to say a lot stands on the shoulders of, of our Justice Department, but it truly does. And a lot has, has not been done that should have been done. Axios reported on Thursday that the January 6th Select Committee was requesting testimony from Georgia Representative Barry Loudermilk. Uh, over a tour of the Capitol, they believe he led the day prior to the riot. Now, it's being said that there may have been not just one, but several tours and, and several names like Lauren Boebert, for example, have been thrown yes. into the mix for staking out the, the, the Capitol ahead of the, uh, the riot and the, the insurrection. Yes. I mean, 
from what I can see, you know, you obviously have Republicans who deny that there was an insurrection. They say, you know, there was that whole about turn from the, from the likes of Kevin McCarthy and Ted Cruz, who originally said it was terrorism. And now he's referring to these people as, you know, tourists, tourists. <laughs> terrorism to tourists. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's it sounds like the title for a book. But I, I, I recognize that, you know, this historically is one of the is not if not the most serious thing to happen to America's history. You've got like nine. 11 and then you've yes. got the insurrection of the 6th of January the first time in our in our country's history that a, not a foreign power but domestic people stormed right. out yes this this notion of of domestic terrorists um and obviously their attachment with the Republican party with with Trump saying you know I'll go yes. with you and we will take back you know you have to be strong yes. and and take yes. back the I mean so much is coming out now and if with these tours of of the of the of the capital are obviously going to add a little ammunition to the argument about this. But there are plenty of Republicans who see January 6th as completely legitimate and rather brilliant. And they are thrilled that that people had the strength to go there and, and fight for their rights. I mean, people on the left obviously see it as a, as a, as a desecration of the democracy. But on the right, there are plenty of people who either don't think it existed and ever happened in the first place, or they they celebrate it. They're normalizing it. Right. right. And so that's why there needs to be consequences, not of the 780 people who have been arrested that are like the low level, who cares, you know, and given a year in jail. You need to go after the figureheads that were involved in it. And there has to be public consequences because we've gotten to the point, I, I've even stopped posting articles about this stuff. I mean, I read it. I've stopped posting on it because everyone's like, wake me up when there's consequences. Right. You yeah. know, it's it's nice that they're bringing them in behind closed doors. It doesn't help. I know they think they're doing the right thing. They're doing it lawyerly. Yeah. So people can't contradict others' testimonies and all the rest of it. They're playing by the rules. Caught. They're playing by uh, the yeah. rules. You've yeah. lost the American people. You've lost them. So now really all that matters in my mind is what the Justice Department can do and whether they can prove like RICO charges. I mean, they, they have the head of the Proud Boys, the head of the Oath Keepers as conspiracy, as part of a conspiracy. If you can then tie them in with not other Proud Boys necessarily, but with uh, Bobart or, or with Donald Jr., then then wake me up and, and you know, then I'm interested Republicans and Democrats attacking each other in the House of Representatives does not accomplish anything. It just doesn't. These people need to either be kicked out of Congress or be put in jail. That will get some recognition. A rebuke by the Democrats-led Congress does not do anything. It just emboldens them. Let's... um move on to Twitter, because uh, executives at Twitter told employees on Thursday that the $44 billion deal to sell the company to billionaire Elon Musk is moving forward as planned and that they won't renegotiate the agreed on price of $54.20 per share. Um, uh, Despite this, you know, Musk is being very you know, he's playing a very interesting game. I, I tweeted that he was playing Russian roulette with America. He, he tweeted on Wednesday, in the past, I voted Democrat because they were mostly the kindness party, but they've become the party of division and hate. So I can no longer support them and will vote Republican. Now watch their dirty tricks campaign against me unfold. 
Those are the words of the richest man in the world who is uh, about to take control of the the main free, you know, the free speech town square space that, you know, you and I met on and where where people communicate. So, I mean, how how much does this matter? You know, firstly, I know you have strong views about about the the deal. Firstly, is the deal going to go through? And what's Elon's game with these types of comments? And I I have a lot of strong feelings about this from a lot of different pers- um, perspectives. And we can talk about some that you're mentioning. And I know a fair amount about this. I worked on Wall Street for 20 years. I was a senior executive. I'm fortunate to have been able to retire when I was 40 years old. I was a star trader. I, I see what he's doing. And I know it's legal. So let's talk first about the deal. He agreed uh, to pay $54.20 per share for Twitter. After meeting with the company for three days, after accumulating shares that made him one of the largest stakeholders other than Vanguard, who are not dummies, who have been in this rodeo for a long time. So now he believes that he can just act irrationally and walk away. Newsflash, you signed an agreement to buy the company. And so the company is, and its shareholders, they took your bid at the time, and I have it as my pin tweet. I knew he vastly overpaid. You don't have to be genius to even get behind the numbers. You can know that nobody else wanted to outbid him. In a country where there's so much extra capital looking for companies to buy, if there was no cover bid anywhere near him, he, you know, if you're the only dummy at the at the <laughs> at the feeding yeah. trough, it's you that owns it. So I knew he had overpaid, but he signed this agreement. And I haven't read the entire agreement, but people who have say it is bulletproof. So if he walks, it's the billion dollar breakup fee, but that's like a minor part of it. They can also sue him. It's a hard case, but they they can sue him in Delaware for breaching his responsibility to buy this company. And they will probably do that. How I how I see it probably playing out, I you know, he's tweeting in the middle of the night. I, I think he's a mentally unstable person to begin with. Um, and I think this whole thing was like a I'm not a psychologist, I'm a Wall Street person and an activist, but if I were, the guy wants to be liked. He did this project because he wants to be liked. And now people are turning on him, so he's changing the subject. And I'm not a Democrat, I'm a Republican. And he still gets to be on Fox News and be the hero, but he's so desperate to be liked. He sends out paranoia things that people are going to come kill me like a week ago. I've, I, I listen to CNBC. I read the Wall Street Journal every day still. I'm a, you know, an investor in my own right. I've, I've never seen them talk about, they'll do it with women subtly, you know, talk about her not being, you know, they know this guy is not playing with a full deck. And it's really unusual for them to say that about a white man. But he is not playing with a full deck. And also a rich and, white man, a successful white man, because I think people associate yes. in America uh, success and wealth with being smart, which is arguably right. how Trump got elected when, in fact, the guy didn't have an intellect. He, right. You know, so, so isn't that this part is of the problem another guy who was here? born rich that had yeah. found a company that was subsidized by taxpayer money that yeah. got in at a good time. Yeah. So now we're going to see how smart he is. 
We're going to see, you know, he might, if he buys this, I mean, let's see, you know, Letitia James, the attorney general of New York is, is going after all these companies that after the Buffalo massacre were broadcasting it. Mm -hmm. He thinks he's just going to buy Twitter and allow this stuff to go on. Mm -hmm. He is going to be subject to just as these companies are, uh, potential litigation. I think he has no idea what he was doing. He just wanted to be liked. He wanted to let Trump back. He wants to have people like him. There's no grand vision for Twitter. It is what it is. So how I see this playing out, you know, obviously some of it will have to do with the stock market and where things trade, and he's going to try to maybe buy it cheaper. Probably another company will buy it at a cheaper price, and they'll sue him for damages in between. I don't think he has a grand vision. I don't think there is a grand vision for Twitter. And um, I, I, I just think he's a sad man who's desperate to be liked. Arguably, he can't afford it. I mean, he doesn't have the readies, doesn't he? He doesn't have the cash. He's, he's so had he's, to make some sales he, in order to, to get this money together. He did. He sold a lot of uh, Tesla stock in the like 850 range early on before and in the 900 range before. But what happens is for the rest of the bid, so he's 21 million of equity he needs to raise. But then the rest of it, that's the bank loans, that's backed by shares. The shares are down. I haven't looked recently, but roughly 30% from the time he bid. They've lost a third of their value. So now he has to pledge that much more collateral into the loan. Again, barring now, if the stock market goes up 20, 20, 25% in a month, the conversation is going to be different. But right now, he has, you know, and, and for the first time today, you see activist investors saying we need to buy back shares. So he's losing his activist investors. He's going to lose his board. Tesla itself is having fundamental problems. They've got competition. They've got Ford mocking them because Musk made statements undermining American American workers, saying they were lazy. Uh, you know, this guy, you can deflate when you're built up on stuff. You can deflate just as quickly. And we could be seeing that with him. And he just doesn't, as Jim Cramer was saying, most of the tweets he sends are between 12 and 2 a.m. The guy's yeah. not sleeping. He's not rational. Yeah. Um, so we'll see how it plays out. If, if he ends up owning Twitter at a lower price and wants to appear as a hero, he's still going to choke on it. I, I had a theory that the reason or one of the reasons for saying, you know, I'm done with the Democrats and now I'm only going to vote Republican is because he knew he would get a lot of positive coverage on yes. Fox and various networks. But it also yes. meant that he might, for the first time, start selling Teslas to Republicans because, you know, there is this whole climate change denial and Republicans invariably are more likely to buy gas cars and they don't buy into the into the whole kind of green movement. And he knows that he needs to sell cars to Republicans. Otherwise, he's, you know, Tesla's not going to do so well. Do you, th- do you think this was a sales tactic? And, and they were delisted from the ESX, the right. S&P ESX, because their products are not actually environmentally friendly, yeah. in addition to the, all the workplace condition issues that he's having and the racism and all mm-hmm. of that. I, I think I hadn't thought of that. To me, it's more he's so desperate to be liked. It was the Republicans cheering him on when he was buying Twitter And now I think he's like a deer in the headlights. And he's so used to getting his way and breaking the law and suffering no consequences. He broke the law on how he bought Twitter. He never declared when he got 9%. That's a huge thing. He's being probed by the SEC and the FTC. And he's used to doing those kind of things and having no consequences or settling out of court and paying millions of dollars and just getting away with it. And I think he literally does not know what to do now. 
I think he's just waiting for the market to kind of sort itself out. And that's why you saw Twitter come up with this proxy statement uh, that elucidates us on the process and shows how much time he did have for the due diligence. So barring fraud, which there's no evidence of fraud, uh, he owns this company. And then you see Twitter come out last night, their board of director meetings, we are proceeding to close. It's very normal. The normal way of closing transactions is they do take months to close. So he's supposed to close in October. They are proceeding towards that closing. And in between, if he tries to like, I, you know, I do feel bad for Twitter, the new guy trying to run the company and do things better. Um, if, if he walks on them, they're going to try to resell the company at a lower price to somebody else. Maybe Microsoft, there's some word Microsoft might buy it or others will try to find a, a mentally stable type of buyer, sell it, lock in the damages in addition to the billion breakup fee, and they'll sue him in Delaware court for the rest. It is interesting, isn't it, how, you know, you're only ever one phone call away from disaster. And I really feel like, you know, the, the rise no. of uh, the rise of uh, Elon Musk was meteoric uh, and, and the yeah. fall could be just as fast, arguably. Tesla's going down. Yeah, Tesla's not doing well. But in Wall Street, there are rules of engagement. You cannot do what he's trying to do. It just doesn't work. People buy companies all the time. You haven't agreed upon. It's like if you bought a house. And you signed the deal and you put the down payment and then you said, sorry, I'm not closing. You know, they, they, but it is, <laughs> that's this, not a good the, example because people do but, do that with homes. But, but you cannot but it's do cultural, this isn't it? It's, it's cultural. It's, and and yeah. we see this with white privilege, don't we? And, and bringing it back to, to this, you know, the, 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 white, the white privilege. And I'll tell you, Tr- no Trump was the same. These people never hear the word no, do they? Yeah. So they're, they're, so no is not something that their parents said to them. It's not yep. something that they're, they're, the sycophant employees say to them. They are not used to being told that they can't do something. And I guess it's yeah. at times like this that we really start to see that kind of inner child come to the fore. Yes. Well, his inner child has already been at the fore, but this yep. is like the inner child not getting their way. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, Amy, we have to go, but thank you so much. I'm very grateful for the chat. I really enjoyed you and this conversation. Thank Um, you. Don't forget to subscribe to The Weekend Show on YouTube or as an audio podcast and also the 5-Minute News daily podcast, which drops every morning so you can listen while you make your morning coffee and leave an iTunes review. I'm Anthony Davis. Join me next Sunday morning with a brand new special guest and three more factual news stories to discuss on The 5-Minute News Weekend Show with Midas Touch. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.